joining us on the live stream as well. We're glad that you're joining us this morning. Um, we are joined this morning during worship um, by our worship choir. Um, so excited to have them. Uh, we also have Christina joining us this morning, helping us to lead worship. Um, so it's kind of a special Sunday. Um, I wanted to give one little plug. So next Sunday, um, after the first service, we're going to have an interest meeting for music ministry and audiovisual. So if you have an interest at all in music, in uh, joining the choir or the band in any sort of capacity or for audiovisual, please come join us just to learn about the ministry and opportunities to, to join in with that. So with that, let's jump into worship. Would you stand with us as we sing, God is for us. We won't fear the battle, we won't fear the night. We will walk the valley with you by our side. You will go before us, you will lead the way. Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. The love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Even when I stumble, even when I fall, even when I turn back, still your love is sure.
you know, I just love when we get the chance um, just to sing out and just have fun on a Sunday morning. It's good to be here. Um, like they were saying, I'm not usually here on Sunday mornings. Um, so it's a treat to see a lot of faces that I do recognize from midweek music moments and faces that are new to me. So feel free to say hi after service um, if you'd like to get to know more about me and what I do here. All right, here we go.
You can go ahead and be seated. We do welcome you. We're glad you're here today in the balcony and on the main floor and online and uh, excited about joining with you in worship. Thank you for singing well with our, our band and our choir there just for those last two songs. Will you join me now in prayer? Lord, we need you. We need your presence, need your power, need your healing, need your forgiveness, need your mercy, need your grace. In so many ways, the story of our lives is our need for you. And Lord, I pray that as we worship together today, that you would draw us back to who you are, that you would remind us of our need for renewal, recommitment, our need to remind ourselves that our identity is formed in you. And Lord, we're also mindful as we worship that the challenges of this world seem to grow darker. We continue to pray for those who are facing war and hardship our friends in the Ukraine and, and Gaza and Israel. Lord, we just pray that you would continue to work in those situations. You would bring healing and wisdom. And Lord, we know that as we think about our world, we also think about our own lives and the lives of those closest to us. And we know that there are struggles with health. There are struggles with relationships and jobs and families. And Lord, I pray that in these moments where we feel helpless, we will fall back or step forward into our need for you, to the great truth that you are with us. Your presence is real and it changes us both today and for forever. And Lord, as we gather, we also are aware of the many people in our community who, who have not yet recognized you as Savior who have not had an opportunity to hear about your love and your forgiveness and your mercy. And Lord, I pray that we will understand our role in helping others find you and that they too could find life in you. Lord, thank you for your presence with us this morning. Help us to be attentive to what you would have us hear and what you would have us do as we worship you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
We will sing a new song. You're bringing us back to life. I want to remind you that in five Sundays, not too far away, uh, we'll be here in this room celebrating Easter Sunday. And I want you to be praying and thinking about people in your life who need a new song in their life, who need to know that God's love flows uh, towards them. And start doing the work now of praying for them and then start making sure you're building relationship with them. Uh, I try to say this every year. People are very open to going to church on Easter during Holy Week. All you have to do is ask. Um, and I want to encourage you to be praying and start talking to folks about getting involved, uh, especially as we head towards Easter. Next Sunday, I'm real excited. We're going to have Alan Tolliver back. Uh, we're well, another one that we're welcoming back. Alan was in our church right before I became as your pastor. He uh, left to go to Mercer uh, Divinity School down in Atlanta, has been down there ever since. He's now the executive pastor at Dunwoody Baptist Church uh, in Atlanta, a fairly large Baptist church. And, and I've asked Alan to come back uh, next Sunday. He's going to preach in both services. You'll want to be here. Uh, and we're continuing through throughout this year to welcome some folks back who have meant so much to our church and that we've been important in their lives. So I hope you will come and be a part of our worship next week. Let me invite your attention this morning to Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 19 through 31. Um, and this is a fun passage this morning. So let's see what we do with it. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 19, and the scripture will be on the screen. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place so that, you, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have, I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Luke's given us a little hint of what's to come in his gospel. Where do you go 
with a sermon on this passage. Well, we can certainly talk about the reality of hell and torment and the great chasm. We can talk about the inequalities in our world around wealth and possessions and how we are accountable, how we are called to be stewards of our wealth. Now, now this might be kind of a good news, bad news thing for us today, but, but in the context of this parable, we're all wealthy. Bad news is, in the context of this parable, the wealthy guy doesn't end up in a good spot. We can talk about that. Or we can talk about how Jesus is doing all he can to get people to hear, and they just won't listen. And part of the problem when you come to Jesus' parable is, is how far do you push? How, how far do you, do, you, do you jump and try to pull meaning out of it? L- last week we were in Luke chapter 15, and, and I didn't talk about the prodigal son story. But I've heard that story preached, and, and you probably have too, from the perspective of the son, from the perspective of the father, from the perspective of the older brother, And even from the perspective of the fatted calf, right? I mean, how far do you push on these parables? And the other thing we need to understand is that what Jesus did most of the time with his parables is take a story that was common in the culture of his day and bring it back out. And so his hearers were used to hearing stories about the reversal of fortune in the next life, like the rich wouldn't be so good and the poor would be great. The only difference with how Jesus tells his story is that usually the family member can go back and warn his family. But Jesus says in this story, no, 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 chasm is too far, too great and they won't listen anyway. So Jesus tells a story about a rich man who is not named and a poor man, Lazarus, who is named. And again, that was different from their experience on this earth. Everyone, just like we today, everybody would have known the rich guy's name. Not too many people would have known Lazarus's name. And the first sin that we see Jesus kind of get after in this story is that the rich man doesn't see Lazarus. He just doesn't see him. If he had seen him as one that was loved by God, then perhaps this story would have gone in a different direction. But it appears that though their paths crossed regularly, I mean, the the, the poor man, Lazarus, was just thrown at the gate of the rich man, so he would have had to have gone by him pretty regularly. But even though he did that, rich man never seemed to see him. And this story and, and this series has been challenging to me. We often, when we read the Bible, we always tend to place ourselves on the good side of the story, the one who would have done what Jesus would have wanted us to do, or the one who would have acted in the best interest of the people. But I think more often than not, I'm like the rich man more than Lazarus. And I can give a lot of excuses about life, 
but I just don't see people. And if Jesus is going to be for everyone, then the folks who claim a relationship with Jesus, we've got to see better. We've got to see more people. Too often, people are simply invisible to us. As Lazarus was to the rich man, and no doubt to countless others who walked by that area. As he sat and begged at the gate, he was invisible to the folks around him. The name Lazarus actually means God is my help. And a lot of his life, God was the only help he had. And Jesus is teaching us that all of our lives are caught up together in ways that have consequences both today and for eternity. And so if we truly see the other and we start to live in that way that acknowledges that truth that we are all together, we belong to one another, then the impact we make with God's love in this life and for eternity is powerful. Who are we not seeing? Who are we not seeing? And what would happen if we started to see others? Last week, we talked about leaving 99 to go find one. And I asked all of us to do the really hard work of who's the 99 we're going to leave to go find one. And I want to continue to challenge us to do that work, to see others, see others that are not like us, and do the work of building relationship, understanding that together we are called into uh, the conversation with God and His world. Well, we go from seeing in this story rich man doesn't see him. And then we start talking really quickly about eternity. And again, the caution is, how far do we push Jesus' parable? The, the parable does not explain why the rich man is suffering torment in Hades while Lazarus is reclining at Abraham's side, or depending on your translation, Abraham's bosom. The only thing we know is that their fates have been radically transformed. The rich man goes from luxury to suffering, while Lazarus goes from pain to being blessed. Make sure you get the contrast right. Lazarus does not go from pain to luxury to wealth he goes from pain to being by Father Abraham's side. And in that next life, a great chasm divides the two. And that chasm cannot be crossed. So, so what can we understand from this parable without pushing it too far? Well, first, God's concerned about the poor. And he expects us to be concerned. God is concerned about the poor, 
and he expects us to be concerned. That, that's clear throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. And we reveal God's presence in our lives by sharing God's concerns and by acting as God acts. And so we help the poor. We feed the hungry. We house the homeless. We care for the sick. We visit the prisoner. We work for justice because that's simply who God has called us to be. God is concerned about the poor. Second thing, there is a relationship between this life and the next life. We sometimes live as if there's not. There's a relationship between this life and the next life. The choices we make, the words we speak, the actions we take in this life have consequences in the next life. Now, again, don't push too far with Jesus' parable. Parable is not a theological analysis of heaven and hell. If that's where you go with this story, you're going to go way off base. That's not why Jesus told the story. The story is not a judgment that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. The, the story isn't so much about our future as it is about how we're living today. It's a reminder that how we live today impacts eternity. And then the third thing is we need to think about gates and chasms that separate, separate us from each other. Jesus is for everyone, but gates and chasms have separated us. From the beginning to the end, this parable tells us about divisions and separations. Jesus starts the story with a gate. On one side of the gate is Lazarus, dressed in sores and dog spit, hungry and unable to get up and walk and do anything to really help himself. On the other side is this rich guy, dressed in fine linen and purple, sits at his table, feast every day. Beginning of the story, there's a gate that separates. At the end of the story, there's a chasm. On one side of the chasm is, is Lazarus, and he sits comforted at the side of Abraham. On the other side is a rich man, stands tormented in the flames of Hades. The gate and the chasm are the same thing. The chasm that separates Lazarus and the rich man in the next world is simply just a manifestation of the gate that separated them in this world. And the rich man carried it with him into the next world. It was part of him that he wanted to be separate from those kind of folks. And so the gates that separate us and divide us in this world is, is not a condition of circumstances or categories. It's, it's not uh, divisions of rich or poor or African-American or Latino or Anglo or Muslim or Christian or any other category that we like to divide around so much. The gate is a condition of our hearts. The gate that becomes a chasm is something that existed within us before it exists between us. 
Make sure we get that. It's the divisions that exist within us and how we view the world before it exists between us. And so that means if Jesus is going to be for everyone, then, then God's people need to do some heart work on a regular basis and find those gates that separate us from each other, from our neighbors, from our enemies, that separate us from those we love, that separate us ultimately from God. So what gates are we living with today? Fear, anger, prejudice, pride, loneliness, sorrow, addiction, busyness, indifference, apathy, hurt, resentment, envy, cynicism? What, what gates are dividing us today that we're living with? It's a lot of gates within us. And we all have them. But it's not how we're to live. It's not how Jesus lived. Right? Throughout Luke's gospel, Jesus keeps hanging out with people that he's supposed to have a gate between. Gates destroy relationships. They unmake God's good creation. And I don't know what gates we carry within us, but I do know every time we love our neighbor as ourselves, every time we love our enemies, every time we see and treat one another as created in the image and the likeness of God, every time we live with the understanding that Jesus is for everyone, every time we do that, gates are open and chasms get filled. I can't give you detailed instructions on how you would live, the, live this out. It's something we each have to do in our own way. It's a choice that is before us every day. It can happen in our marriages and in our families. And, and that's not today's sermon. But, but I think we, we have to understand that it's really hard to, to uh, get through gates and chasms with the world when we feel like the most intimate relationships of our lives, our families and our marriages, are kind of got a lot of gates, got a lot of chasms already. So maybe that's where, where it starts for us today starts with our marriages and our families and our, our most intimate relationships. Maybe it happens at work. Maybe it happens at school. I, I've said this quite a few times. Uh, sometimes I know it, it's hard. It, it's, it's hard to stay at it at work when you feel like, man, it's, it's not the place I'm supposed to be. But, but maybe it's exactly the place God put you kind of fill those voids of relationships. It can happen in parking lots and coffee shops. It can happen in our prayers for the world. But we're called to eliminate gates 
and fill chasms, even with our enemies. And it's not easy work. And in our present culture, in our present world, there, there's not a lot of folks modeling this kind of work. But it is possible. And as people of God, that's what we must believe. And Jesus demonstrated that in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. Gates were opened. Chasms were filled by Jesus' work. His love, his mercy, and his grace, and his presence. Make it possible for us to open gates and ensure they don't become chasms. That's the kingdom of God. That's what it looks like. That's what they criticize Jesus for doing. And in the places in this world today where we see the gospel exploding and the kingdom idea expanding, it's places where relationships are happening and people are saying, how on earth is that happening? It's what the kingdom of God looks like. And we need to have ears to hear. That's where Jesus kind of finishes his parable, his story. And did you notice that the rich man is still arguing, still making his case to Abraham from Hades? Did, did you notice that? No remorse, no, no thought of repentance. He is stubborn and proud and argumentative from Hades. And he calls out, Father Abraham, he is gonna uh, he's going to rely on his religious tradition to try to save him in this moment. Father Abraham, Father Abraham. And Abraham says to him and to us, you got everything you need to believe. Your family has everything they need to believe. They just have to listen and repent because the kingdom of God is right in front of them. Rich guy's family and all of us have everything we need to believe. That was Abraham's point in not sending Lazarus to the rich man's family. Abraham was not denying them anything. They lacked nothing. They had everything they already needed. The word of God that opened gates and fills chasm is the same word of God proclaimed by Moses and the prophets, the very word that was embodied in the person of Jesus Christ, the word becoming flesh. And he's the image of open gates and filled chasms, the image of who we most truly are and who we are to become. And Abraham says they got all of that. It's up to them to repent and believe because the kingdom of God is near. He said, if somebody will come back from the dead, then they'll believe. And Abraham says, no, not, not even then. We've got to see. We've got to hear. We've got to listen. And we've got to repent. Jesus is for everyone. Jesus brings the dead to life. And he most often seems to do that 
by going through gates and filling chasms. So here's my closing questions today. Who do we need to see? Who's around us every day that, that we're just not seeing, that we're not reaching out to? Who do we need to see? And then how can we close the distance between us and others? I don't know which one of those two questions are the harder. Because <laughs> sometimes we church people, we get together and say, yeah, there's this people, there's this people, there's this guy, there's this woman. We, we got to go and do some things. And then you say, okay, how are we going to close the distance? And we answer, they're going to come to us. They're going to want to hang out with us. They're going to want to be like us. That doesn't sound like we're closing the distance. It sounds like we have an expectation that if, if they want to come, they can close the distance. But how are we going to close the distance to them? How are we going to live like we've been sent by the one who eliminates gates and fills chasms? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for who you are. And thank you that you filled the void between us and you. Not with anything that we have done, but all in which you did in the sending of your son. An offer of his forgiveness and his mercy and his grace, his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so, Lord, we are people who who have experienced the filling of chasms. Lord, I pray that you'd help us see others who need to have that same experience. That we would live our lives in such a way that they would see your goodness and respond to who you are. Lord, help us to be that kind of people. Help us to see others in your name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want to talk more about how God is opening your eyes to those around you and how we need to fill some chasms, I'd love to have that conversation with you. We're going to invite you now to, to stand with the band. We're going to sing goodness of Jesus and, and let God just keep speaking to you as we sing together. So
Go ahead and be seated. Let me share some announcements uh, with us. The flowers today are given in loving memory of David Sanderford Scott by his family. Uh, his daughter, Rachel Ann, watches us on the live stream every uh, Sunday. So, Rachel Ann, thank you for the flowers, and it's good to remember your dad today in his life. This week, some announcements. Uh, Passport Kids in Fuge Camp, our summer camps for uh, third through fifth graders and middle and high schoolers. If you are going, we need to know that this week by March 1st. So uh, parents, be reaching out to me, our Janine, our Maria, so we can get you all set up and ready to go to camp this summer. We're looking forward to a great time at both camps. Lindsay, back to you to talk again about worship. Yes. Hello. Oh, there we go. Yes, I'll bring it up again, <laughs> like I said earlier. So next week, um, after the first service, we are having an interest meeting for the worship ministry. So that is music, um, kind of any music capacity that we do during the week or on Sundays, and then audiovisual. So that's um, lyrics and sound and all of that. So if you have an interest, if you sing, play an instrument, if you have any interest in it, please come. Uh, we'll just share about um, what we're doing um, in music ministry and kind of vision for where we're going as well. Um, and then it also, if you are not don't have that talent, but you know someone who does, Ballin told them to come. <laughs> um, so it'll just be a time of just learning um, about the ministry and then answering any questions um, that you all have. And then also today, I was just going to mention a few of us are um, going down to Highlands Fellowship um, Church to until tomorrow. And so we're just going to be doing some learning and observing and training, um, just learning about how, how they run their music ministry. So next week in this meeting, we will also share about um, what we experienced today and tomorrow. So they've been here since 7.30 this morning. They're going to leave right after the service to head towards Abington, Virginia, to be with Highlands. And Highlands is the church we've done a lot of missions work with over the last uh, three years. Uh, but we want to be a learning church, and so we're looking forward to having uh, them go down and do that over the next uh, two days, a, a quick trip for them. So grateful for what's happening in our uh, worship ministry. We need you to get involved. As always, things on our e-news. If you're not on our weekly e-news, let us know. We want you on there. Uh, website, uh, social media, we post a lot of things. Uh, in the back of this room, there's a 250th photo wall. We want you to start taking your pictures in front of the photo wall and sending them to us as we create a yearbook for this year. So we don't want to all have to do that on the last Sunday of December. So go ahead and start doing that uh, over the next couple of weeks and encourage others to do that. Thanks for being here this morning. Let's pray together as we go. God, as we go out into your world, help us to see with your eyes, hear with your ears, so that we might experience your kingdom all around us. Lord, be with our team as they get ready to head down to Abington and just bless their time together over the next uh, couple of days. And Lord, just help us to be your people as we do your good work in this world. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great week.